Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Good things come to those who wait. There we were. I had all the knitwear out. I had the corduroys out. I had the big socks out. I was ready for winter. And then, ta-da! I come to you from a heat wave. I don't mind telling you listeners, I have bunked off what work I'm supposed to be doing and I'm lying down in this sunshine. I am going to lap up every single goddamn moment of it and I'm going to talk to you and we're going to pretend it's summer for an hour. It's normally how long this thing goes on for, right? Um, are any of you managing to escape? Are you managing to skive off work, even for five minutes? Are you able to go and sit outside, get your face in the sunshine? Because that's what I'm doing. Because we've got to buckle, as soon as this is over, which will be over in a couple of days, well, let's be honest with each other, um, we're going into winter and the nights draw in and all of that. This, just so we're all clear, by the way, this has become a weather podcast. It's not a, it's not a nice romp through um, LGBTQ plus life. It's a weather forecast podcast. First and foremost, oh my God, in that case, we should get Thomas Schaffernecker on. Just going to move my mic. Um, Thomas Schaffernecker, weather presenter, out gay man. Who I think, oh my God, look at me segueing. Who I think has been on the cover of Attitude magazine. The magazine who we are talking to today. We are talking to Cliff Yuanu, the editor of Attitude magazine. And Darren Stars, the owner of Attitude magazine, about the story of Attitude magazine. It is absolutely stone cold fascinating. Attitude, it's basically talking about their battle of getting Attitude from being this magazine that was associated with kind of um, unsavoury magazines, might, might be the, short, the shorthand, uh, top shelf magazines, getting it moved physically from the top shelf, getting it battling for it to be actually accepted by publishers to be taken seriously on the newsstands and talking about its history and the chapters of Attitude and how it kind of went from even in recent memory it being hard to get gay men to be on the cover because bum 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 no one was gay and that was I think we, when we speak about this in the interview that was seven eight years ago not long at all my how things have changed and a really interesting discussion about Tom Daly actually and Tom Daly and how he was pivotal in Darren sort of understanding how the world had changed. And it's so fascinating to learn about the different chapters of it and how it's got to where it's got to today as a magazine that encompasses the whole of queer culture. Um, but still, actually, we talk about what's really interesting is it still is a magazine built for the reader being a gay man, because that is its primary audience, which I didn't know actually till I spoke to them. So I was really interested to hear about that. But how, you know, and we speak to Cliff, who is the editor about 
activism actually because he writes so beautifully does so much brilliant work in in his articles in activism and fascinating stories about you know they do the magazine but they also do this thing called the attitude awards which we often cover for, on this podcast where everyone gets together and celebrates all sections of queer life like Heartstopper. you know they were a massive thing last year but then also they do the attitude pride awards which is much more focused on everyday lgbtq plus heroes and that's my favorite awards because you you discover these people thanks to attitude who are doing incredible things on the ground in lgbtness and actually it's those people we really have to thank for some of the most incredible things that are going on in the improvement of our lives across the spectrum and you know they do other things like they have a foundation where they help lgbtq plus people it's just a it's a really interesting chat and also a, an interesting chat about their history their personal histories with gayness and I actually gayness well they both identify as gay men hence I say gayness and I think that what's really interesting about the two of them is they are different ages um I wouldn't dare to say who's older and their journey of queerness and alighting to their own gayness really embodies the times in which they grew up you know Darren was a man who started out on car magazines and actually is a massive football fan fantastic history actually working for Terence Higgins Trust and working for the Elton John AIDS Foundation he's done incredible things for the queer community for a long long time and Cliff tells us the incredible story of okay which which big boy band did he audition for when he was at the Brit School, and how the hell did he end up editing Attitude magazine, all via New York and Marvel Comics? It's a ride. Plus, we get the inside scoop on that big-ass David Beckham, Qatar, Joe Lysett scandal, which Attitude found themselves at the centre of. And it was, if you remember, it was a whole thing. It was on the front cover of the Daily Mail. Joe Lysett was on the front cover of the Daily Mail because of his amazing stunt he did. And anyway, it was really interesting to learn about what happened that day at Attitude Towers, because they were in the middle of it, because Joe wanted to destroy the David Beckham cover of Attitude, if you remember. So fascinating story, we get wholly into that. So that's all coming up. But enough about, enough about us. What about you listeners? How are we doing? What's new in your world? Lots of you commenting on um, the cup of tea that I posted. I think 20,000 people nearly have watched this clip I posted of my cup of tea because I wanted to do the John Waite method. John Waite being Strictly Star, Bake Off Star, who came on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and has been making waves, not with his OnlyFans account, but how he makes his cup of tea, which is how the book that he's written starts. So seven minutes in the cup, no teapot, Yorkshire tea bag, seven minutes in the cup, put a little lid on it to keep it warm. Do not stir or touch the tea bag. Well, squeeze the tea bag. Do not squeeze the tea bag when you take it out of the tea cup and then add some milk. That's how I did mine. It was absolutely delicious and it really tasted like it had been made in a teapot. That's what I liked about it. Because I think it tasted softer and I think that's because when you squeeze it, the tannins come out. I think the word is tannins, as John told us. But tell us listeners it's time to come clean how do you make your tea one oh, there is someone coming through the gate there is hello yeah. oh thank you very much You're welcome. 
lying completely horizontal on the grass, trying to look like, suddenly trying to bolt up, right, sit bolt up right and look busy. Quickly look like I'm writing an email rather than skiving. Anyway, no one will know. No one will know. Come clean. Tell us how you like your tea. Also, what are your absolute no ways about how a cup of tea is made? If someone puts too much milk in mine, actually, it's a no. But my method, really, if I'm, you know, if I'm making it without John Waite, I always just do tea bag in cup, give it a squeeze, uh, quick, 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 fast as you can, because I'm impatient. And then I use skimmed milk, because then I can put a bit more milk in, because I don't like it too milky, but that'll cool it down so I can drink it quickly. Again, impatient, quick, quick, quick. So I'm building a cup of tea for a man on the run, I like to think of myself. And I have to have a cup of tea every single morning. It is absolutely non-negotiable. And if I don't, I just feel really, really sad. And I can't weirdly, can't have a cup of coffee unless I've had a cup of tea first. Because it feels too bracing to have a cup of coffee first, you know? It's like there's no preamble. So sometimes I'll even just have like a sip of tea and then start drinking the coffee, which I'm aware is a little odd. But there we have it. Um, In the meantime, so write in. Hello at homo sapienspodcast.com. Tell us how you like your tea. Now, have you caught up with last week's episode with Bimini? Oh my God. I love chatting to Bimini. Beth said, this was such a great chat and it really made me rethink how I felt about my own gender. I love this podcast. Thank you. Beth, thank you so much for writing that in. I really enjoyed that chat with Bimini as well. Lots of people wanting to know where we get Bimini's t-shirt from because there was video clips of it online. Um, And of course, someone below says Vivian Westwood because one, Bimini kind of embodies the punk attitude of Westwood. But also, of course, Bimini's going to be amazingly dressed. Um, Great episode, said Prince 71. It is lovely to see somebody who radiates freedom. That's what I would say about Bimini. And that makes people feel really good about themselves, who perhaps in other areas of the world are not made to feel good about themselves. Okay, I need to stop talking now. Let's go chat to Cliff Ioannou, editor of Attitude magazine, and Darren Stiles, owner of Attitude magazine. Two lovely people. This is a fascinating chat. Here we go. Here's a question for you that just sprung to mind when you were talking then. Is there a motto at Attitude Towers? Don't fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's somebody um, else's, so I don't think we can use no. that. And yet still we do. Yeah. Um, do you actually say that? No. <laughs> yeah, Cliff doesn't swear in the office. Cliff's one of the good guys. Like, yeah, that's very unusual. Yeah, yeah, very yeah good. it's very unusual. It's me that's throwing things, getting a bit shouty. I'm very good. I was raised Greek Orthodox culture. Sweep it under the carpet, brush your emotions away. So mm. I'm very good at just ignoring drama. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, that must yeah. be good. Unless I am the drama, then it's... Uh... <laughs> yeah, then he's the centre of attention and that's how it has yeah. to be. But is that actually genuinely a rule that you have to not swear at work? No. Oh, oh no. Right. I mean, I'm sadly, for better or worse... you get fired. I've built a company <laughs> in my own image. So, you know, I am at heart a beer-drinking uh, West Ham season ticket holder. Yes. So, <laughs> industrial language, unfortunately, occasionally... <laughs> 
uh, comes to pass, even when it's not football. Um, it's in. robust. It's yeah. robust, I think. I, so I'm so interested in your story because I've done the digging I can, but I need okay. to hear it from you, if you know okay. what I mean. Just, did because you find I, the body? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this could go <laughs> anyway. This could go <laughs> in any direction. But I'm just interested in, I feel like your career, to me, somehow embodies how LGBTQ, Q plus culture has changed because you started a publishing house and there was nothing queer in any respect about your output, right? But you were no, a gay man. Yeah, none, none, none at all. No, no. We published contract magazines for airlines and and for car manufacturers. And my first sort of proper job, having done some stuff on local papers, was working on car magazines mm. at the time that Jeremy Clarkson was coming through. So. Yeah, it was a really, it's a really unusual time, and I certainly wasn't in a work environment with most of my clients where I could be real me. Mm. I was just, you know, entrepreneurial writer, publisher me. Yeah, and that that changed over time, but I didn't come out until I was in my early thirties mm-hmm. and felt confident about where I was financially and and all the rest of that. Yeah, it's a <laughs> to use a football euphemism. My career's been a game of two halves. There was the first bit where. Yeah, I was doing all the right things, ticking all the boxes. And then the, the second bit where I crashed out of the closet and, yeah. and then attitude came to meet me. It had been an ever-present in my life as it is mm. for many young gay men. And, and that was the first point at which the personal and the professional crossed. Are we in overtime now? <laughs> it's going to be football phrases <laughs> overtime it's extra time isn't that what they say about the Super Bowl is, which I'm aware isn't football I know it's American <laughs> yeah. football different shape ball um, I'd be the Super Bowl halftime show well this is it like the, gay, the gays are the halftime show yeah. and then the straights are the bits either side of the, the bits a bit side. Well, they always say, yeah, like the Super Bowl is like a Beyonce performance with something either side. No one's quite sure what. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> with some other stuff going but, on. But what did you know of attitude growing up? And it's a question for both of you, but I imagine because you're different ages, it represented slightly different things. Yeah, my, my dad was the village news agent. And, and so I grew up exposed to all kinds of magazines. And there really truly is a magazine for everybody. Cajun Avery Birds, that's right. a real magazine. And then I remember Attitude coming along. I was aware of gay times prior to that. Mm-hmm. But that was just lots of people protesting and being cross in the front and mm-hmm. lots of people advertising uh, for escorts and chat lines in the back. And, yeah. and, and as, a, a, as a young man who wasn't out, that was a bit terrifying, really. And then it was the time of the AIDS crisis and all of that stuff going on. And Attitude was the first magazine that I became aware of that made it look like being me could be fun. That there was a world out there I could relate to that actually wasn't dangerous, didn't result in death. Attitude certainly is, it's been through three iterations really over its life. And the, and, and the first one, that first 10 years, the content was, um, was quite snarky, wasn't it? It was quite waspish in its, its humour. Um, I think it reflects other magazines of the era, though, because you had Sky magazine, yeah. you know, for older mm-hmm. listeners will be familiar with Beautiful how magazine. kind of mm-hmm. dangerous and edgy it was in its editorial. Yeah. And then, it was, you know, the early era of FHM and Loaded and, yeah. and the magazines face. were bold and bullshy and then times change. Because who was it? Doctor Karen in Sky Magazine, the sex doctor. Yes. Karen Krasanovich. Yes. Yeah. Well, Bob. we used to devour yeah. that. At yes. Because she yes. would just talk really freely about. So, what year was it founded? Uh, so it was May '94. So it's 30 years next summer. Wow. And what about for you, Cliff? What do you remember of it? Well, obviously, there's like seven decades between Darren and myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> my early. 
I think the first time I bought a copy of Attitude was the George Michael. Oh. Um, oh 10th anniversary edition. Yeah. That's the first time I went in and bought a copy because George Michael, to me, is somebody in the entertainment world that I could directly relate to, like first-generation immigrant. His parents were from Cyprus, was in the closet, came out. And he was somebody in the public eye that I could actually, whose story I could relate to directly. I remember that party as well. I managed to get myself into the 10th anniversary party. Really? And George was there. And that's the first copy I bought. But obviously I was familiar with Attitude before then yeah. because of its notoriety and its position in the mm. industry as being the market leader, just the edgy one, the edgy gay magazine and the one the one that was fashion-led and style-led, but also unapologetically gay. Mm. Yes. I guess you'd say queer now, just embrace everybody. But at the time, it was the big gay bad boy magazine. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Context is everything. So when you're saying there a second ago that it was the first magazine that made gay life look fun to you <clears throat> because you had the context of those other magazines which were like there was someone arguing on, someone angry on the front and then hookup services in the back. Is that what you said? Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a different time. It was a darker time. Yes. But I didn't have that because I, I came of age a bit later so I actually almost found attitude to be that when I was a kid. I remember it being on the top shelf in newsagents and just, I felt like it was staring at me when well, it yeah, was on yeah. the top you know shelf. I mean? And I had to fight to get it moved. And part of really? that was historical. Part of that was absolutely a hangover of how gay and LGBTQ uh, was perceived for many, many years. So mm. it was considered top shelf content got to be away but also part of the issue was that the guy who originally launched attitude was richard desmond the, mm -hmm. who uh, launched okay magazine and ultimately was allowed to buy the daily express and the, the daily star but was most famous for a whole range of top shelf magazines and so originally attitude was part of that portfolio and it was seen in in that light and when ultimately Richard Desmond divested himself of Attitude it went with all the top shelf titles and so until I bought the magazine I was the first gay owner of Attitude in 2016 mm -hmm. until I bought it it had been alongside top shelf magazines its entire time so we wow. had a bugger of a job repositioning it on the newsstand we wanted to be alongside I'm GQ not and Esquire yeah sorry <laughs> a bugger of a job also the job but yes trying to get it repositioned alongside men's magazines mm. how does that conversation go I mean it's a struggle because also you're not just dealing with high street brands who are practical and logical mm. WH Smiths and Sainsbury's that, that they understand but you're also dealing with independent news agents who culturally, historically, socially, they just 
you know, they think gay, they think naughty, they think bad. Mm. So I guess it was a challenge for more for our operations team distribution than... Yeah, yeah. So where you land on all of the shelves uh, with, with any retailer is, is predetermined by the section that you're given. And we had to make representations to the industry body to explain what attitude was, where it had come from and where it was going to yeah. in, in order to get that moved. And yeah, it did feel like fighting the good fight again. As I said earlier, there, there were three stages of attitude. There was the waspish start. Then there was a 10-year bit in the middle where everything was nudity, the naked issues. Mm. And famously, I think there was a run of 12 or 14 successive covers which had smooth-chested young white males on the cover. And that image was used as Adam Rickett a I lot. remember the Adam Rickett Yes, one. the Adam Rickett one. And, 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 and an image of those covers was used as a stick to beat us for years afterwards as to, mm. as to what it had become. But, but once I bought the magazine, I knew very clearly how I wanted to reposition it, how I wanted to change it, how everything around us had changed and elements of the magazine hadn't moved. Mm. And, and Cliff, to be fair, has been a, a key part of realising that vision and, and understanding the importance of representation of every kind, not just LGBTQIA+, but also people of colour, people of different ages, yeah, people backgrounds. of different yeah, physical states, culminating in the awards show that we do every year. And you really can see everybody and everything represented in, yeah. in that. And so occasionally there are echoes of that. Somebody online will start a little campaign because they think it's too white or too old or too young or too ridiculous or... Well, the thing is, you can wrong. never be everything you can't to be everybody mm-hmm. at the same time, mm. but you can over a period of time. Mm. So all you can do is trust in your track record of what you've done in the time that you've been there and then mm-hmm. also what you plan to do. Yeah. And that's, like Cliff was saying, over the course of a year, you can represent everybody and everything through covers, through feature material. Cliff, I love your writing and I love the sort of activism in your writing. And I just wanted to go back a bit to your childhood. You mentioned identifying with George Michael a lot. What was your childhood like? I mean, not too dissimilar in terms of like Darren's working class roots background. Um, that's where I come from. Like I was born in Croydon. Mm-hmm. My parents were immigrants from Cyprus. They met here. Mm-hmm. My mother was educated at the age of 14. My dad had the same. They met here. My dad had three jobs when we were kids and my mum worked at home raising us. So education was not a priority. I think I was the first and only person in my mother's side of the family to go to university. They were grafters. Mm. And so growing up in Croydon in the 80s and 90s, as well as knowing you're different, not knowing exactly what I was, Mm. why I was different, but just knew I wasn't like everybody else. Like in school, I remember, I mean, I'm technically classed as white i'm mm-hmm. caucasian but i was othered at school and i was me and this one other asian kid were the foreigners mm. so whilst i can't ever for a second speak what it's like to be a person of color i know what it's like to be othered and put into that box of being different by nature of how you look yeah so i mean my background is quite is weird in that it was a very stifling situation to grow up like my parents when we went to church every single week mm. so that coming out journey was a real slow process which is mad to think what i'm doing now yeah <laughs> <laughs> because i never would have envisaged it as a kid yeah and it's actually what changed for me was 
following my then best friend at I went to an all boys Roman Catholic school, mm-hmm. and we went. He went. He was going to the Brit school, and so I had no idea what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. My parents were good parents, but they didn't know how to encourage or motivate the kids to be bigger or better than what they knew, which was just work. Yeah. Um, so I went to the Brit school with my friend, and it's the first time. I stood in the place and looked around. I was like, what's going on? Yeah. Like there's people pirouetting in the corridors. And, and it was like, there's like, you know. That's like doing... the attitude office. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With some swearing. Yeah, yeah, that was well. Yeah. And it was just an eye opener that things, life could be different. And that's where yeah. I started my steps into media and understanding that actually there is a bigger world out there. And what age do you go to the Brit school? Well, I think you can go from 14. Okay, so GCSEs there, but I joined at sixteen and did whatever I studied. Whatever I studied, it was like film studies, English language, and media broadcast or something. And what were your parents like about that? Did they think they had no? I mean, my mum still doesn't really understand what I do. Really, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Like you know, they they, you know what? They never held me back. Right, like they never for a second said, "Don't go down that road, be a doctor." It, It wasn't that kind of family. They were just like, "Yeah, just." go and do what you're doing. Like I went backpacking at the age of 17 through the Greek islands. And then when I finished uni, I went throughout Southeast Asia and Australia and did all sorts of things, which probably are not repeatable on a podcast. You've got to tell the comic story. Oh yeah. So age 17. Yeah. Um, we, it was my second year at the Brit school. We were the offer, offered the opportunity to do work experience. And they said, Oh, you can go away for two or three weeks at, a company of your choosing. And mm. I was a big, I still am a big comic geek. Like yeah. I was, the X-Men were everything to me, which it's also gay. makes sense in hindsight years later because the X-Men was an allegory for being gay, yeah. which I didn't know about at the time. It just resonated with me. Yeah, um, that's amazing. So I wrote to Bob Harris, I think it was, who was then editor-in-chief of the X-Men magazines at Marvel Comics in New York and said, can I come and do work experience? And they were like, yeah, sure. Oh my god! I and love so I was that. age seventeen, yeah. um, How cool is that? and went to live in New York for three months. This was pre Giuliani as well. When you stepped out of Port, I stayed with family in New Jersey, yeah, and got the bus in every day. It took about an hour and a half to get from where they were because they were Pennsylvania side into the heart of New York, and this was like ninety four. So it was like Scorsese's New York, where oh, you stepped out of Port Authority on 42nd Street, which is like Disneyland now. Yes. But back then there was, you know, crack addicts and junkies and pimps and it was dangerous. And my parents, who I had no idea what they were sending me off to, were fine with it because they just saw me as having an opportunity that they didn't have. That's incredible. Little did they know. I stepped into a few gay bars and had a few fun experiences. Well, that was going to be my question. So, so how old were you then? 17. So, so I was like totally underage in American terms. Oh, of course. Yeah. But the gay bars weren't checking people's age, were they? No. So Not what when was, you flash a the, smile and then you're age 17. What was that like? Because that is crazy. peak crazy. I had my first gay sexual experience there in New York. And what were the clubs? What? Well, I went to Twilo. Twilight, which was okay. this huge underground warehouse cavern uh, tunnel club and we went to limelight which was in a church yes. a converted church and then we went to roxy which was their kind of heaven of its era wow and again just like walked in without a problem there was no id checks had a great time 
<laughs> I'm just thinking of you, Darren, in your <laughs> yeah. little corner news agents <laughs> <Yeah>. going... <laughs> Writing for the Surrey Mirror, trying to find my way through. So Cliff, when Cliff was talking about how he and George Michael had similar backgrounds and whatever, yeah. it parted when Cliff was at Brit School because Cliff auditioned to be in the boy band Five. You did not. He did. Sorry. With well, I, mean, I think I made it down to like 897th of five. 800. <laughs> Still in with a chance. So if they were called like 897, then I would have been in that. Do you remember Richie and all the gangs? Did you ever no. see them in the auditions? I think they took one look at me, heard my voice and then closed the door. And that was that. <laughs> <laughs> I was just in such an environment at the Brit School where everybody was like singing every five minutes. And like everyone was grabbing a guitar and doing stretches in the corridor, like you're where you, like you're fame. in the queue to get your chips and your beans at lunchtime, yeah. and someone's like vocal warm up in, and it's just okay. Yeah. I think I can do that. I had the delusion of grandeur that I could be a pop star because everyone else wanted to be a pop star. Yeah, and I soon realised actually, no, I'm better off behind the camera. Do we have a back or on a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> do, so run backing track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give us a beat. Do you oh need one or are you that pro? Of my of do you know what my audition song was? What? I had the balls to do Mariah Carey can't let go. I'm like... <laughs> I'm okay. Like, it makes it even more unbelievable he didn't get it, doesn't it? <laughs> I know, right? It's an injustice. Imagine what would have been. No. I'd never be here had that. <laughs> have you ever met any of the members of Five and told... Is it Five? Yes. No, I've purposely never been in a room with them oh. well do we have a surprise for <laughs> you <t> yeah. <laughs> yeah welcome who would who would be your ideal member of five to walk through the door now i, I couldn't even tell you their names richie right um, wasn't there a guy with abs called abs, abs. he abs. had a great so a solo single did he yeah so you're probably <laughs> that's on two of the five <laughs> there we go well if they're looking for a reunion you might be your charm <laughs> That's the end of part one with Cliff and Darren. There's more in part two because we're traditionalists. Go find it on the feed and more insight, more interesting stories is all I'm going to say, David Beckham. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Powered by Spirit Studios.